Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about from the story of Moses in the wilderness leading the children of Israel. And I want to talk about water in the rock. Um, It's a story that takes place two months after the Red Sea. After they'd crossed, God marvelously showed up for them, split the Red Sea, they walked across on dry land, and then the armies behind them that were running after them, Egyptian armies, were destroyed. But now it's about two months in, and uh, things aren't going really that well. Uh, It says in the scripture, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. They were doing what the Lord commanded them. They were moving from place to place. They were leaving the wilderness and they were going down uh, to a place called Rephidim. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You want to talk about the faith these people had and Moses leading them, and they believed he was leading them, that they, command, they believed that, he, that God had commanded them to move, to take the whole community from where they were, you know, they were doing pretty good where they were. They were in Elam, they had plenty of water, and, uh, you know, and there's the column of cloud in the, day, in, at the, in the daytime and the pillar of fire at night, And it starts moving, and they need to go under the commandment of God. Wouldn't it be great to have that column of smoke in the day and that fire in the nighttime to tell us that God is leading us? So you're in your tent one morning, and you open the flaps, and you say, Moshe, the cloud is moving. Pull up the, pull up the tent flags. We've got to go. Wouldn't that be great? I've had a number of people say, say to me over the years, you know, wouldn't it be great to have the cloud and the pillar? But you know, living the Christian life is much greater because we follow Jesus Christ. We have the word of God. The Bible, 97% of God's will is in the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. Oh, by the way, like over 5,000 promises in the, in the Word of God, in the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells us when we receive Christ in, into our lives, and then he also wells up within us like a spring to lead us and to guide us and to comfort us and to care for us. I don't know. Do you think the cloud and the fire were any better than that? But that's what they had that, at that time. So they left the wilderness under God's instruction. Remember that. And they camped at this place called Rephidim. And Rephidim meant place of rest. God took them to a place of rest. But then it says here, there was no water there for the people 
to drink. At the Lord's command? Are you kidding me? He takes the whole community, tells them to go and camp at Rephidim, and there's no water for them. Can you imagine being there, experiencing that? Your kids, thirsty. Your livestock's thirsty. You're thirsty. Was this really the place that the Lord wanted them? Maybe you said that. Is this really the place where the Lord wants me? Maybe you said that. You said, I didn't sign up for this. I thought the Lord took me to a comfortable place or a place I really think he told me it was going to be his will. I must have missed something. I'm out of God's will. Help me. Maybe you haven't said that out loud, but I bet you've said it internally. I bet those little voices in your mind have said that and you've berated yourself and you've taken, torn yourself apart and with negative self-talk. And uh, by the way, negative self-talk isn't just in when you're awake. It actually, the scientists say it's 24-7 and I would agree with him. Uh, it does go on in your sleep. And you say to yourself, what a numbskull. How could I be here? Why did I do that? So it says here in the next scripture, so once more the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. You know, this wasn't the first time these guys were grumbling and mumbling about where God had led them or took them under Moses' direction. It actually all started back in at the very first thing, when, when Moses was told by God to go back uh, and deliver the people, talk to the elders, talk to Pharaoh, and after he did that, they start complaining. You know, you talk to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh made the work twice as hard. He, now we have to go and get our own straw to make the bricks. And we, but we're supposed to have the same quota. They complained about that. And they complained, you know, they complained just before they're going to get delivered from the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. They said, they said this, and uh, that, you know, we, we should have stayed back. Look at what you're leading us into this. And, and Moses said, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place. And then the Red Sea opened. They weren't complaining too much anymore. So they complained at the Red Sea. Well, they're going to kill us out here. The people also complained in the bitter water of Merah. Complained, complained. They murmured, continuously grumbling until God tells Moses, take that branch and throw it in the water and sweeten the water. Then they stopped complaining. They complained about being hungry. God provided manna and quail. Pretty good stuff, I bet. But they continued to grumble all day and all night until God brought that. They were griping. They were gripers. Ever heard of people 
that word, use that word anymore? You're just scraping. Maybe that's from my generation, I don't know, but I know I did it. Uh, you know, here's one thing though, one thing I want to caution you on, or, uh, you know what marriage experts say? There are marriage experts that teach and write and do all that, you know that, maybe. It, they actually say there is a place for healthy complaining. You know that? Guys, there's a place for healthy, healthy complaining. So give ear to your wife. I guess it works vice versa too. That's, because you get to air stuff out. It's good for any relationship. It's good communication. But this was not good complaining. The word there isn't even... uh, We use the word complaining. It's written in their Bibles. But it really, in the original language, it means literally to toss. What do you think they wanted to do with Moses? They were quarreling with him. They were squabbling with him. I grew up with three brothers. And I remember these words echoing in my head to this day. You kids, quit squabbling, my mom would say. She'd usually repeat our names and, get, and mix them all up or whatever. You go right down the list. Um, but there was dissension in the ranks. And it was directed towards Moses, demanding that he do another miracle to make water. He do another miracle to prove that he was the leader of the group. But keep in mind, keep this in mind, the Lord commanded them to leave the wilderness and eventually to stop at Rephidim, the resting place. Is that possible? Does God lead us into places of absence and insufficiency? Does he do that? Does a good God do that? Does he lead us into this absence and insufficiency that we find so often in ourselves? Well, why wouldn't he? Because he loves it when we will depend on him. When we rest in him, though life's challenges come just crashing at us. Why wouldn't he? Sometimes I think, well, when I just can get to the place where I can relax. See, on this journey, on this earth, there really is no resting place. I mean, there's physical rest. But in Jesus, there's a resting place. That's where we go in this journey. We rest in him. We don't take a vacation from him. We rest in him through our vacation. We rest in him through our work, through our struggles, through our parenting, through our uh, grandparenting, through uh, our finances, through everything, through our leadership in our communities. Being a, uh, a wage earner or being a boss, we don't rest when we're Christian. 
We're on a journey. We're on a journey. And we talked about it. Brent talked about it uh, last week about eternity. That's the place where we will find rest from these old bodies because we'll get a new body. So I ask, where does God have you right now? As a parent, are you in a battle right now? In a relationship, are you in a battle right now? With the way our economy go, is going, are you in a battle with finances right now? Where does God have you right now? See, you rest in God with all sorts of challenges. It is a by faith place. By faith. We've been talking about by faith from uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith chapter, they call it. Where does God have you right now? Does he have you by faith in that place? Because the Bible says in this world, you will have tribulation. It doesn't say you'll have some tribulation and you might get a little bit of tribulation, but you're going to be, be able to, you know, kind of fly under the radar of tribulation, you know, get away from tribulation. You will have tribulation. As a Christian, it's not an easy path. But we've got a great God. So Moses is in the middle of this this thing, this uprise against him. And he says, quiet. Why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord? See, this wasn't Moses, well, don't blame me, stepping back. It wasn't his duck and cover move here saying, uh, you know, why are you complaining against me? That wasn't, that wasn't his strategy. Uh, see what he was saying is this to quarrel with me to get in my face is to also get in God's face he's saying you're disputing with God here you're testing God here and you know that word testing in the Bible it really means this as far as the testing here in the Hebrew language means assessment. You're, you're trying God and you're testing him and you're analyzing him and you're looking even at his motives. Why would you send us here to this resting place and there's, uh, and there's no water? They were analyzing and testing Moses' leadership but more God's leadership and God's love for them. Is he really among us? Does he really even want to be among us? Have you come to that place? Have you doubted? Have you doubted your beliefs and believed your doubts? In your struggles, we all have them. We all have doubts. You think doubt is, doubt goes out the window because we have faith? We have those things. I mean, we, and we wrestle with those things, but we go by faith and we face them. Don't turn your relationship with God, with Jesus, into an assessment. 
And you know, it really becomes an assessment of you because you've judged yourself and compared your assessment of yourself to others and your relationship with Christ to others. And you don't think you're worthy. I'm not worthy. You doubt you're worthy. You've done something. Something that is so atrocious and so bad. Maybe in your past, it may be something, you know, you slipped, you fell, you failed. And you don't think you're worthy. You think, well, he's God and I'm not. I just got to try harder. Try, trying harder does not work in the Christian faith. You can surrender yourself, but that's not trying harder. That's not trying. It's saying, God, here I am. Remember this scripture, Romans 8.32, God, I don't have it on the overhead. He did not spare, God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So he might be what? What Melissa sang in the band played this morning, our foundation. By faith, our foundation. In fact, it says that well-known scripture, you might know it, by grace are you saved through faith. So this battle is going on, Moses and this debate and this anger and all this testing and all this squabbling and all this is going on. Uh, it says further, but tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our, excuse me, our livestock with thirst? They just continued this arg argument. They wouldn't let it go. In fact, that word for argue is actually murmur. I don't know if we use that word so much in our English language today. Um, but it's ongoing and lengthy. It can, it can be in your 24-hour cycle. It can be in your head. It can be you murmuring with others or complaining against somebody else. You can just be on them about that. Uh, and here they, you know, even at night they didn't snore. They murmured. Try that one. They were doing it in their sleep is what I'm trying to say. Um, so here they are. The, they thought the miseries and the certain death by thirstiness in the desert, and they compared it with how it was in Egypt. They thought about, you know, it talks in the Bible about the leeks and the onions. Onions are good, but I don't know, I don't know about leeks. Uh, but yeah, let's go back there. Let's go back to Egypt to have some onions. Maybe, you know, fried on a hamburger or something. Let's go back there. The, the, the ongoing murmuring. What I'm trying to say here is that this wasn't just a quick dust up, which is a bad choice of words. They didn't have any water. Uh, but it was, it was going on and on and on. This was, this was an ongoing murmuring, squabbling deal going on here against Moses and, and really against God. 
And I, you know, I, there's no break in the scripture here, but I think Moses did take a break from this and he got away and it says, then Moses cried out to the Lord. I can't imagine him in the middle of the fight crying out. He might have, but I think he got away and he says, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Now, here is good complaining. This is sharing the facts. This is sharing the feelings. Uh, even though God already knew this, Healthy complaining, David does this in the Psalms a lot. And we read the Psalms and we find them very comforting because we can relate to that. So there is good complaining. This is what I'm experiencing. So we say, well, if God knows what's going on, and he does, he already knows why pray, why cry out to him? Why do that? You know, all things work together for good, don't they? I guess it just wasn't meant to be. You heard that one? Or everything happens for a reason. Why cry out to them? Why cry out to him if that's the case? No, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, we call it cry out to him because it's a relationship that we're living with him. We talk to him. Even though God knows everything about you, knows where you are, he still wants you to talk to him. You know, God does know where you are. You know, you don't have to take a selfie of the restaurant you dined in last night to show him. You know, you have send him, a, send him this thing, show him. Here we are. God knows where you are, and he knows who you are, and he loves you. So, why not? We pray. We cry out. We lament. We shout to him in our troubles, because we need him. We need him every day, and we get sorted when we do this. We get ourselves sorted out. And we make it, hopefully, this crying out to God and talking to him, we make it a habit in our lives. We ask God every day for help. Even before we step out the door and walk into the troubles of the day, we do that. So here's what the Lord said to Moses. Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. Remember what faith is? Here's a scripture that tells us. It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. So. God gives them these four instructions here that I want to talk about a little bit more here this morning. And by faith, Moses goes out and does it. These are four instructions that you can take into your heart. I think they're really good instructions. When you're reluctant, you're doubting, you're hurting, you know, you don't know what to do, where to go. It seems like things are pressing in on you. I mean, God 
is asking you to be there, to live your life in these things. And then the first one is, and Moses did this by faith, he walked out in front of the people. He took the lead. He stepped out. He took a risk. He had confidence and assurance that his God was with him. So let me ask you this morning, where is God asking you to take the lead? Where is he asking you to step out in something that you've been wrestling with? Where is he asking you to do? Remember this quote from John Maxwell, leading isn't a position, it's influence. It's not asking you to take, take a position. Moses had a position. We know that. He was the leader of Israel at that time. He was God's man on the earth and you are God's man and God's woman on the earth. And, and he's telling, well, maybe you need to just step out in this deal that you've been wrestling with and maybe you haven't wanted to and maybe you're afraid and maybe you're doubting. Step out in front of it. You know, I remember this grumbling, complaining thing. When I was a young pastor... I wasn't that, I wasn't a mighty man of God, really. I complain every Saturday because I used to have to do the custodial work and mow the lawn, and in the winter I'd have to uh, shovel the snow. I think it was one church that had a snowblower, because I've pastored a few churches. And I would grumble and complain, but how did I get that done? I stepped out. I had to step out. With this mower that was like 35 years old, that... You know, you could get in the grass and it was so bad that it actually stopped the mower blade from spinning. And I had to back up, wait for it to kind of get going again, and then a little bit more. Like, uh, I was grumpy about that. You can ask Debbie. I was grumpy about the mower, I was grumpy about that, but you know what? Stepped out. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's part, that's part of my, uh, that's why I'm here today. I don't have to cut the lawn. I'm happy about that. <laughs> but serving isn't a position. It's an influence. And, you know, there's dozens of influencers around our church, and I'm not talking about ones on Facebook or whatever they do in there. I'm talking about people that serve and lead in this church. Um, faithful men and women. He's just saying to you, maybe you need to just walk out in front of that problem. Maybe it's a thing that you need to serve somebody. Yeah, it's risky. It was risky for Moses. I mean, you know, you know how many children of Israel there were? Two million. Uh... And they're all thirsty, and their kids are thirsty, and their livestock's thirsty. Step out? Moses said, are you kidding me, Lord? I'm a target. I get out there in front of them. I'm a, I'm a living target. But faith trusts God, God's leading even when the result looks deadly. You know that? It looks deadly. And it might be... I don't, I don't mean so much bodily deadly, but it's deadly in, in, in you. Like, 
You're taking a risk. You might have to speak in front of somebody. You might have to, uh, you know, confront somebody in a conflict. You see, walking out in front is, is visible and it's also vulnerable. What if I mess this up? You say, I want to serve God. I'm going to go serve him, do something. But what if I mess up? Well, you know what? Messing up is part of your spiritual growth. But what if you don't mess up? What if you learn and you grow and you learn and grow if you mess up and you learn and grow when you take the risk? What if this is your referendum, your place where you truly need to rest in God and step out? The second thing, the second instruction is take your staff, the rod of God. Yeah, we're finally at it. We're finally to, coming up to the water in the rock here. Um, the one you used, you, you struck the water of the Nile with. You know, isn't it interesting he didn't refer to the Red Sea, but he referred to the Nile? He referred back to the time of the plagues. See, this is, becomes very reminiscent to these, these uh, Hebrews. It's, he's saying, do you remember what, the, the, the staff says, do you remember what the bondage of Egypt was really like and how you got delivered from it so do you really want to go back to Egypt because that rod represents the deliverance from Egypt it represents the power and the authority of God and the breaking of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart that hard hearted that stony heart Maybe that stony heart is where you're at right now, a little hard-hearted, life setbacks, life troubles. It's kind of like, what's eating you? You've asked yourself, what's eating me? And you know what I mean by that. Remember the mercy of God that delivered you when you first became a Christian. And take the power and authority of God that God has given you in that he has saved you, he is now in you, you're walking with him, you're following him. And take your staff. Third instruction, and remember Moses by faith called some of the elders to join him. Some of the elders of Israel. Um, some of the ones that, they may have been some of the guys who gave him trouble way back. But they also may be some of the guys that didn't. There's always, you know, this big crowd, you think everything, everybody's against me, but there's always maybe some people off in the corners saying, oh man, Moses, you're standing in there again. This is how you tell the difference. Probably the ones who are not carrying stones in their robes, or in their robes, their robes still flap in the wind. That's how I'd figure it out, right? Not really. God, God he knew, and, and God showed him. But this is about, this, this little part here, this instruction is about connection. It's about 
thriving in connection and taking some people with him out there to solve the problem. See, we need people around us. Our culture today is all about the individual. And God is about community. More than ever, we need to relate to one another. In good and in bad. In failure, in self-doubt, in loss of confidence. We need people around you that can help you. And you know, the, the tendency in what is, in what is told us by culture and even our own human uh, frailty is to isolate, accept the failures, just isolate, you know, just kind of be that Eeyore out there, just, oh yeah, poor me. Accept the failures. Okay, you didn't get it right. And there's a ghost that haunts you all the time about it. Okay, you didn't get it right and there's a monster that hunts you all the time about it. Get some people around you. Talk to them. Get to know them. We need some dung buddies to shovel with us. You know what a dung buddy is? Used that one time in CR and I never... Uh, it just started a whole wave of, we're going to call ourselves dung buddies. I learned that one in California years ago. It's not a bad saying, really. It reminds you what we're there to do, right? And we're doing it as unto the Lord in the middle of, you know, just living for Jesus and just moving forward and just waiting for him to come for us one day. We're just dung buddies. Good relationships help you become learners instead of being defeated. Good relationships help you to metabolize the pain and give you perspective. Because life is painful. You know, here's a good place to start. A little commercial. Wednesday night, small groups, once a month. You don't have any connection right now? Come out. You can sit with some people, some friendly people that aren't going to chew you up. Take the risk. Step out and come out on Wednesday. I think the next one is August 30th. It is. I got it right, Sherry. Amazing. So why don't you come out? If you haven't been coming out, that's a good, you know, get some people to join you. Bring some people out. Like Moses took these elders out. The next instruction is said, strike the rock. He says, I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Zion. Strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. I will stand before you on the rock. What a promise. We have that same promise, God's faithful promise to stand beside us. It was for Moses, that promise. I'm with you and somebody needs to hear that today. You need to, somebody here needs to hear that. I'm with you. 
So they tested God, they demanded God, they were impatient, they doubted, they, they was just dissension in the ranks, they were questioning and analyzing God's love, but look at what God does. Strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. Oh, you know, all right, well, give them a little water, give them a little taste, but I don't like the way they've been treating me. No, 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 no. Because God was all about loving the people. Then the people will be able to drink. Water, where there was no water. So Moses struck the water, struck the rock, as he was told, and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. First Corinthians 10:13 says this. It's Paul reminding believers, this is to believers, reminding them about the wilderness trek of the children of Israel. For they drank from the same spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Now, I don't know. I, I'm not going to start theologically tear that apart and say, well, was Christ there? Was he not there? But the rock was Christ, and the rock is Christ today. Melissa sang about it. The foundation, he's your rock. He's a firm foundation. And let me encourage you with this scripture. It's not on the wall either. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. If God were not faithful, he could not exist. We, yeah, he could not exist. He, that's not the scripture. That's what I'm saying. If God were not faithful, he could not exist. In fact, the universe would implode. In fact, it would be even worse than that. Matter wouldn't exist because God created the earth out of nothing. And yet, our God loves us. Are you thirsty? Do you need a drink? Need water from the rock? Jesus wants to give it to you. Let's stand together. Before I pray for the congregation here, I want to just, uh, if there's anybody here or watching online that you need to come to know this Jesus I've been talking about this morning, this, this one who had poured out his life, you can come to know him right now. So follow me in this, this prayer. Dear Jesus, with your help and casting my doubts aside, I'm going to trust you and believe you. Believe you died for me to take my sin away. That I would not have to pay the penalty. Please come into my life, Lord. Take my life. Help me to know you and follow you all the days of my life till one day I see you face to face in heaven. If you prayed that, give us a call at the church here. Talk to one of the pastors. Tell somebody about it. We want to help you. Walk your faith. Now, Christian, 
Are you willing to walk out, to step out into that problem, to face that problem, to get out of that funk that you're in? Are you willing to walk out, to stand out? The scripture says in Romans 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you, unto God, which is your service of worship. Are you willing to go in Christ's power by taking the staff? Are you willing to invite others to come and connect with you in your Christian life? Lord, I just pray this for our congregation here, those here that may be struggling this morning they would come to you that you would quench their thirst Jesus you said if any man or woman thirst let him come to me and drink may that not be our kind of our last resolve may we just do it up front just come to you today and follow you I pray this in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening if you find this program helpful or would like to learn more please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurch.com gp.com